From the shadow of Rockford Tower, operating deep in the enclave of the first state's most elite. This is the Highlands Bunker Podcast. I'm your friend and comrade Rob. The one and only Ty Greer is in the house, and super producer Carl is on the johns and whatnots from a secure, remote, but undisclosed location. A massive show today. Um, not only are we talking about an important issue, uh, the paid family and medical leave legislation currently under consideration in Dover, uh, which I should mention has a very easy name to remember. It's Senate Bill 1. Uh, but we're doing it with a bona fide all-star panel. Uh, we have Liz Richards. Liz is the executive director of the Delaware Cares Coalition. Uh, Delaware Cares is a coalition of labor, faith, health, and community advocates and organizations committed to ensuring every Delawarean has access to paid family and medical leave. Welcome, Liz. Thank you so much, Rob. It's great to be here. Thank you. Um, and also, I am happy to introduce Judge Chanley Kuhn. Uh, Judge Kuhn was on the bench of the Delaware State Family Court for 17 and a half years, from 1998 to 2015. Her final 12 years, uh, Judge Kuhn uh, was the chief judge of the family court, and she is currently working as a specialist for the Appaquinamook School District. Uh, judge Kuhn, thank you so much for joining. Rob, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm happy everybody took the time. Um, Liz, I wanted to begin with you. Before we get to the specifics of SB1, I wanted you to just maybe provide everybody with some background. Um, first, on the organization Delaware Cares, um, because it's very interesting. It's a real, uh, a, a real diverse coalition. Um, you know, I was very excited to see, you know, not only labor unions, uh, Planned Parenthood, the ACLU, the Westminster Church, the Plumbers and Pipe Fitters Union, um, our friends at Network Delaware, our friends at Delaware United, uh, the list goes on and on. And, and I'm just happy to see also, you know, a Sikh organization uh, and the AME church, um, you know, a large Jewish synagogue. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about the coalition itself um, and and also um, maybe just talk in generalities about um, the the issue and, and how you got everybody together. Sure, absolutely. Well, to start us off, I want to give a huge shout out to Ty Greer, who really helped make that happen um, from the ground up. Um, one of the first uh, organizations we reached out to when we were talking about building this co coalition was Network Delaware, and so got linked up with Ty, and she and I really helped build this to where it is. And it's in many ways, um, you know, it's a labor of love, but it's the same way any organization gets built. You're kind of pounding the pavement virtually. We we went out and we talked to a lot of these groups and we were talking about the issue of paid family and medical leave. And some had been involved before or, or helped to pass, you know, state workers um, kind of had, there had been a law a few years back to get that done. Um, but for a lot of people, paid leave may mean a couple of different things. And there's not, um, when you say it, people may think, oh, is that paid time off or PTO? Is that FMLA? I've heard of FMLA. Is that sick days? What is it? Um, and so just to kind of give some context of what we're talking about when we talk about paid family and medical leave. It kind of helps to look at that first before we can talk about how we build it. So basically, um, federal FMLA is something that people hear of most often. And they say, oh, well, we have that. Doesn't that cover everything? The reality is that almost 60% of Delawareans are not covered under FMLA. 
And even among those who are, FMLA basically just provides job protection so that if you get sick and are seriously ill and need to be out for several weeks, or if you have a baby, for example, you can't get fired from that, but it doesn't mean that you will get any pay at all. So for thousands of Delawareans, even who are covered by FMLA, if it means that they're going to lose their paycheck, they can't afford to be out for that long. And so we're seeing many people just leave the workforce altogether, or they're going through really difficult situations. Um, so really, that was kind of where we started. And when, when you start from that basis, it's easy to see why um, the health community would be interested in this, because this is something that would honestly prevent people from getting healthcare they really need because they can't afford to get it. Um, you can see where the faith community comes in because there are so many people in those times of need. If you're having a child, if you're facing end of life or a serious illness, they turn to their faith leaders in those critical moments. Um, a labor issue because this is something that's really an economic justice issue. And that has been front and center through that, um, throughout this entire fight. And then the community organizations that we have Black Mothers in Power involved, we have so many groups that are really um, highlighting that this is a racial justice issue too, because we know that white workers are more likely than Black and Latino workers to have paid family and medical leave. And we really are trying to make sure that this is something that's accessible to everybody. And it shouldn't be a luck of the draw, whether you can take care of your family or not, if an illness strikes. This is something that nine other states have done, um, and it's something that we can do here in Delaware. So that's really kind of the basis of that coalition building was just rooted in what this policy did. And that's kind of why we are where we are today. Yeah, I mean, the underlying issues being addressed are basically that the current system puts people, puts families in very precarious, stressful situations. And it's not just um, necessarily you know, the birth of a child. It's not even necessarily just uh, uh, yourself for your illness, but, you know, many people take care of, of their parents, of loved ones at particular times. And, you know, that's an, that's important stuff. And it, it, it just gives stability and, and sort of less stress on people to know that they have some sort of insurance against that. And as the, uh, as the material points out, the United States is, I think, the only and I, I never know how to phrase this whether people say uh, economically advanced country or global north or whatever, but whatever it is, the United States is the only country that doesn't guarantee this. And, and it really does to it, it does a lot to the fabric of just communities um, when, when people don't have this this sort of protection. Um, speaking of sort of of impacts before we get to sort of the details, um, I know. Um, Judge Kuhn, you've had not only with your experience um, on the in the family court, uh, but but also uh, in, at the school district have seen and experienced yourself um, so many of these issues. And I thought maybe you could uh, touch on a few of them. Sure, I'm happy to, to touch on a few of them. Um, you know, as a as a family court judge, you see families when they're struggling at their their most difficult time. I always used to say we were seeing good people at, at their worst times. And it's really difficult to, um, and it's something that's difficult to show by data, but the reality is that families, when they go through stressful times, so having uh, children, taking care of loved ones, uh, folks are oftentimes, mothers more than fathers, but are oftentimes really 
pushed out of the workplace. Um, they're pushed out of the workplace because they can't afford to not take care of their newborn or their spouse or their parent. And when things like that happen, by way of example, um, when women leave the workforce and they, they take care of their children because that's the only way that they can um, handle things or a husband stays home. Um, if they end up getting divorced down the road, that mother or father has is in a lesser financial place um, at the time of divorce to be able to pull themselves back into the workforce. So typically folks don't go back into the workforce right where they left off. And we see it historically in the legal field and most folks in the legal field have the financial means um, are, are privileged enough to be able to financially be able to take care of their families, but we see folks leaving the workforce. So when we're talking about 60% of our workforce not having any kind of paid leave for childbirth and family members, then, then we get into the cycle of uh, alcoholism, drug abuse, uh, domestic violence, you know, women don't leave uh, domestic violence relationships, oftentimes because they're afraid financially. They're, they're afraid for their lives, but they are afraid financially. And so this is simply the right thing to do. Um, I could go on, but from a family court perspective, what I saw was this is a really important need for our are uh, the members of Delaware's community. Yeah, I think people, it has to be discussed in this way because <clears throat> I think some of the objections when we get to them later will be, you know, giving people benefits and who benefits. But when, when you have a universal program, and I, I want to sort of talk about it in that light when we talk about the specifics, when you have a universal program, it will help everyone. You know, whether you're a worker or whether you're hiring workers, you know, whether you have, you know, whether you have the need now or you don't, um, because the the stress and the and and the conflict as you as you say when, when that's there that doesn't help anybody it doesn't help you you know the people in your neighborhood or your community or anyone um, so it's always good to, to to try to have everybody think of it in in those terms I think um, so let's let's get into the details um, maybe Liz is the best person to sort of go through what SB one will do. Um, how it will work, how it will be funded, um, what the benefits can be under what circumstances. And, and maybe, um, I, like you said, I think some people are familiar with FMLA and you can kind of juxtapose the two and, and sort of explain why this sort of universal paid leave um, is, is, is really the, the, the ideal situation uh, for everybody. Sure. And before I get into that, though, I do want to just like echo what Judge Kuhn said about basically... Um, the effects of paid, lacking paid family and medical leave don't start and end there. It's something that goes on for a long time and can have a real impact, um, not just for like a child and their child development, but 
Um, I think it's really interesting what she said about um, domestic violence survivors and how it is all part of an interconnected cycle that, you know, each difficulty compounds the other. And it's just, you know, a, a, health, a health issue, an economic issue, all these things that work together. So just getting into then the, the details of the bill, which I think are so exciting about it, is that um, this basically would create a statewide paid family and medical leave insurance program. And the way that works is if you face a qualifying event and you need to be out for an, so an extended period of time, um, that could be an illness, it could be you know having a child. So the qualifying events would be if you face a serious illness, if a family member faces a serious illness and you need to act as caregiver to them, um, if you welcome a new child into your family, and that could either be through birth, adoption, or foster care, um, and there are e even other scenarios. Sometimes uh, a family member has to, like, a, a, you have to take custody of a niece. I've talked to people who, like, you know, if they're in the, um, you know, if their parents aren't able to take care of them. So anyway, it's, it's a great inclusive definition that can account for that, too. And then um, the other situations are, one of them is if you are a victim of domestic violence and you need safe leave to go to your court dates, relocate, get to safety, you can use paid leave for that. And then the final, which is another really interesting one is for family members of deployed service people. So if your spouse, for example, if you're a military spouse and your um, partner gets deployed into the military, you basically, if you have kids, in many cases, you become a single parent overnight. So that's another circumstance where you can use paid leave to um, to help you adjust to that situation. Um, and the and the way the bill is set up, like I said, it's basically an insurance program, meaning everyone pays a very very small amount into the big insurance pool, and and the benefits are drawn that way. So in the bill currently, it will be set at a 0.8 percent. Uh, 0.8% of an employee's wage is paid into this fund. And then that is further split between the employer and the employee. So we're already talking about less than a penny on the dollar. So less than a penny on the dollar goes into this thing. It's split both ways and it's a paid leave trust fund. So that's the only thing it can be used for. Sometimes you get questions of like, oh, does this go into the general fund and then it can go wherever? No, it is very specific to paid family medical leave. And you know, there's an initial small startup cost, but after that, those funds pay for the administration. They pay for the benefits that are paid out. They pay for all of it. And that's how it's worked in other states and it's, it's worked very well. Um, and so then if you face one of those five circumstances that I mentioned, you are eligible to get 80% of your wages replaced for up to 12 weeks. And that is huge. We're talking about a small, small, small contribution. It's generally like a couple bucks a week. And in turn, if you need to go out for 12 weeks because you have a child or because you are diagnosed with cancer, God forbid, whereas you would currently get no money at all, and that could amount to thousands and thousands of dollars for somebody, under this program, you would have 80% of your wages replaced up to $900 a week. So that's basically, um, in that way, lower uh, wage workers will get a higher percent of their income replaced than anyone who's making above that amount. Um, but, but that's generally the mechanism. And the other piece of it that's really great for um, small businesses in particular, number one, uh, many of them can't afford this kind of benefit on their own. So currently a lot of business owners are, you know, especially small ones, they treat employees like family. 
And if someone were to be diagnosed with cancer, they want to do the right thing. They want to pay the person while they're out, but they also will have to pay the person while they're out and they're going to have to pay for a replacement or something like that. So that's the current system we have. Under a program like this, basically they're already like, it's that very small amount. And so if an employee does go out, the state program is going to pay that employee's wage. And then the business owner can keep that money to hire a replacement um, or just pay overtime. Or in many cases, they can actually just have their current existing workers cover it and they just get to keep the money themselves. So I've talked to a lot of business owners that it's a really great deal for them because they'd otherwise be completely unable to offer this kind of benefit to their employees. And furthermore, you know how I mentioned the 0.8% um, the and it's split between the employer and the employee. So it's basically 0.4% paid by the employer, 0.4% paid by the employee. If you have fewer than 20 employees, the business doesn't have to pay the employer portion of the program, but their employee is still covered. And that is huge because it means that this is going to level the playing field for small businesses who currently fewer and fewer of them are, they're not able to offer this and the bigger guys that they're competing with can. And so if you're a worker that's, you know, going to find a new job, you're probably more inclined to go with the big company that can offer you these kind of benefits. With a program like this, it levels the playing field so that small businesses can attract talent. And frankly, I think that's a great thing for Delaware and it's a great deal for families. So that's the general mechanisms of how the bill works. Cool, thank you very much. Um, yeah, you mentioned, so I guess we'll get into it now because the, the one pushback is generally from the business community. Um, you know, there definitely is, um, you know, there are small businesses that, that are, that are happy to be able to do something that they really couldn't do before. Um, other small businesses, as you said, that have less than 20 employees aren't, um, impacted really. And they can, and, and they still get the benefit that their workers still get the benefit. Um, but there, there will be, um, sort of some other pushbacks. I know, uh, judge Kuhn was doing some research and, you know, some of the big, some of the big players, um, you know, in Delaware from a, from a business standpoint, um, I don't think that, I mean, a chamber of commerce hates everything, but, um, uh, some of those have had some pushback. Um, could you, judge Kuhn, could you explain sort of what, how within the, the bill as written, as explained by Liz, how is it, what, what are some of the arguments and the concerns of the, uh, we'll call them the business community? Sure. So, um, to, to be really clear, I do not know what the Delaware um, State Chamber's position is. Um, and uh, I am, you know, hopeful that, that they'll look at this carefully and, and look at it, you know. I think oftentimes um, businesses, both small and large, look at things from a um, control perspective. Uh, you know, this is a, a another government subsidy, so to speak. And uh, some businesses would rather have the control themselves. Um, I think the argument to anyone who may be uh, opposed to this legislation, the argument in, in uh, back is that this is just, um, good healthcare policy. Uh, this is really about the health of our community. And 
as a country, uh, as was said earlier, um, most of the larger industrial nations provide coverage and health care for their families in greater amounts than, than the United States does. And as a, as a lawyer and as a judge and now in working in a school, you know, the, I see the impact of folks struggling. And I, I think one of the things that Liz said um, is, is so true is the impact on individuals is a cumulative effect. So it's, it's a stacking, so to speak, of, you know, you may, um, you may not be making much money, but everything's okay so long as everything's going perfectly, but then somebody gets sick. Or, you know, you're depending on uh, both partners' income and one partner loses their job. And then, you know, and then there's a, a family illness and then they're both lost their job. And, and seeing that is really difficult. And in fact, speaking to one of our assistant principals the other day, um, who had two children back to back. So in, in, in Delaware, until just recently, um, if we had a child while we were employed by the state, you, you had to basically accumulate your leave so that you could take you know, paid leave when you add your child. Well, that that typically worked for child number one, but it, child number two, you had typically depleted your leave, one's leave. And then this particular um, administrator had to go into deficit, meaning that they, they had to go into a no pay status in order to take a, a 12 month, I mean, sorry, a 12 week leave. And this is about health. Um, personally, I went back to work seven days after one of my children was born and I was not right for a year. Did you and, really? Um, physically or um, mentally. And I never could quite figure it out, but looking back on it 25 years later, I, I really, my body and my mind were not prepared to, to have that additional strain. And so I look at this from predominantly a healthcare, mental health. Uh, we have you know, lots of addiction issues, you know, taking care of family members. Um, so that's, that's, I think it's a big deal. Yeah, as, as I said, that they have, these in, these stressful situations have so many you know attached effects, um, you know economic and and otherwise mental health, um, that this is, seems like an easy fix to sort of stabilize the fabric of your community, and that's good for everybody. Um, I know we're going to get into some specific examples, so maybe I'll just ask uh, Ty a little bit while everybody's hot. Um, what kind of organizing and what uh, kind of uh, sort of issue campaign and canvassing maybe you have been doing? And also, if people are interested in doing some of the things you're going to describe, how they can sign up to do them? Well, 
thanks since you asked Rob. No. <laughs> First, I want to just echo everything that they, both um, Judge Kuhn and Liz said. I think it's really important that when we talk about people and what's important to people, being able to, if you're going to work or you call people essential, being, them being able to take care of themselves is like paramount. So, you know, if we want an essential workforce, we want a good economy, we have to have healthy workers. So I just think that that's when people go to make their judgments about this, you got to weigh the benefits, you know, against the, and I can't see how you can do that and not see how this is a must have. This is a simple fix and probably the cheapest solution to a lot of things that we have along with our economy. You said, how do, can you get involved? Funny you should ask. So right now <clears throat> we have our fair 15, our $15 minimum wage um, campaign going on. And we are, we've done some great things, but right now we are hitting the pavement in Carson's district, District 28. So we need people to phone bank. We need people to, um, not just phone bank, but we also need them to, we need them to phone bank. We need them to canvas. We need them to write letters. Um, we're, right now it's in the appropriations committee and we can get it through there. But it's going to take people power. That's right, and and as everyone knows, um, Carl will will be uh, very diligent in putting all of the appropriate links in here. Uh, there's a link on the Network Delaware site um, as a as a partner at part of the coalition. Uh, Ty is, uh, is involved with that. If you want more information, uh, just on the on the coalition itself, there's a website. There's a pretty cool video there. I'm always like. We're thinking about producing videos, so anytime I see a slick sort of produced video from the, I guess it was from the some uh, a, a mother's group that's on the website, it was pretty slick. Um, that's a great explainer if people want to check a look, take a look at that. So we'll have all of those links. And if you want to, uh, if you want to meet Ty and go out and knock on some doors in in uh, Lumpy Carson's district, it sounds like I might even do that. That's what sounds like something I might do. So we're gonna do it in Dover for paid family medical leave, also. There we go. So uh, we're gonna do that, and we're gonna be making writing letters. Nice. Are we going to phone bank, Liz? Yeah, I mean, what what the the big news that's kind of like going around for the timing of this podcast is as we're speaking right now. What is it? May fourth. May the fourth be with you. Um, the bill has not been introduced yet, right now as we're speaking. But it, by the time you're listening to this, the bill will have been introduced. It's being introduced for us. It's tomorrow, May fifth. Um, so that's incredibly exciting and. When you go to our website, decares.org, you can find ways to contact your legislator and ask them to support this bill. Um, because we know that the other thing that we haven't like started to talk about, but I, we, I feel like we don't even say it anymore because it is everything, but the pandemic, like this has been the year of the pandemic. And this has always been an issue. We've always needed this, but like now more than ever, the, if there's anything that we could do right now, like, you know, fight for 15, all these different things. This is Come about together. protecting, yes. And Ty, like Ty, when she got into this and I'd be curious your thoughts, Ty, but like essential workers, there are essential workers out there that do not have paid family medical leave. Most of them don't. And most of the essential workers, you know, I'm gonna go here, especially in the healthcare, they, their, their jobs are tailored to where they can't afford for people to be out. I was literally laid off because I had to make a decision whether I exposed the people to COVID or because they're short staffed or I use my ethical responsibility and step back. And I think it's really important right now that there's so many stories like mine from essential workers. So while we're going through these different things and we're doing pushing for the 15 and all these other fair rights, we need to think about the whole person. 
Because it's not just enough to pay people, but people should be able to take off work to take care of themselves. Do they all come together to make a better economy? Yes. And, and, uh, no, please go ahead. No, no, no. I, think, I just I couldn't agree more. Go ahead. <laughs> and and I think when we're talking about a stronger economy, I I, I think we also have to go to the equity issues. Mm -hmm. um, our economy and our our overall health as a country and as a state are only as strong as our strongest workers. And uh, in some of the research, um, you know, Delaware households, women, uh, black mothers are 82% of black mothers are our breadwinners in our households, 48% of white mothers, and 56% uh, Latina. So when our women are often the breadwinners and it's such a disparity, um, we've really got to, we need to be looking at how we apply things equitably. And, and because whenever things are not equitable, it impacts our most vulnerable citizens and that's our children. That's our children. So if our, our children are, our, our children's parents are unable to provide um, a healthy environment for our children, our children then um, end up in difficult situations and most um, often in a situation where that schooling becomes an issue for them. They're either um, our students who are missing the most school or our students who end up struggling in school. And in school, we're only as strong as our, our weakest links. And so this impacts our teachers, um, which, so I really look at this from um, an equity perspective, a children's perspective, and, and you know, how do we bolster our families? And if our families are struggling, which um, we know that they are, um, it's, it's a problem. And um, like, uh, I think, I forget who said it, either Liz or Ty said it, you know, <laughs> this is a fix, which is an unusual fix in that it's not an expensive fix. It is not a, um, a fix that creates a huge burden on anyone, but it has this potential upside for our children and families that um, I don't think many of our um, Delawareans can even imagine. I think that's right. And if I could just give one example, um, it's very interesting. I was talking to someone down in Sussex County who I was talking about the bill and I was explaining it. And she said, you know, I had two kids in New Jersey uh, a, a while back and New Jersey was one of the first places to pass paid family medical leave. And I was almost holding my breath. I'm like, I hope she got to use it. And she goes, I got to use paid family medical leave there. And it was amazing. I don't know what I would have done without it. And it's kind of just great to see like, wow, it really doesn't have to be as hard as it currently is. We, there's a simple way to make everyone's life easier so that they can take care of their families, they can take care of themselves, um, and they won't have to deal with those long-term growing 
difficulties that arise from not having paid family medical leave. Yeah, I, that's mentioned in a lot of the material. I'd like to talk about that a little bit. Is it not? Is it nine states in D.C. that have it, or is it more? Is that what it is? Okay. So, and they've had it for for years. So, what um, you know, ha, what kind of uh, outcomes um, uh, has there been any controversies? What kind of outcomes are they getting? And sort of because I think when when Ty and I go out and and knock on doors and stuff, this is exactly the kind of stuff that we can say. Actually, they're doing this. They've solved a problem that we're we're talking about. They've strengthened their neighborhoods and their communities and their families for very little money here, here, you know, New Jersey, here, here, and here. So yeah, look, maybe we can go over some of the some of the wins that other states have had uh, with paid family leave. Sure. I mean, studies have shown, and it's been great that we've had the data of other states that have passed this. It's shown to reduce postpartum depression, which is huge. It's shown to increase um, infant vaccination rates, which is very interesting, especially now. It, it enables fathers to be more involved in the care of their kids, um, studies have shown. And then in terms of businesses, um, it has been demonstrated to increase morale of the and reduce turnover, which can, you know, tur turnover like losing an employee because they have to leave for, you know, to care for their family, that could be really costly to find a new worker, hire them, um, you know, train them, all that kind of stuff. Um, the studies also show that women in particular are more likely to come back to their jobs after having a child if they have paid family medical leave. I can't tell you how many women I've talked to who didn't have paid family medical leave and they said, I'm not working anymore because the financial cost of when I calculated it, what's the point of me coming back if I'm already going to be going through this hardship of not getting paid while I'm out, it doesn't make financial sense for me to return. And that's something that is just so counterintuitive to me when we're talking about building an economy that works for working families. Like the fact that we've lost two and a half million women in the workforce during this pandemic, I think is just clear evidence that what we're doing is not working and we have to make big changes if we're gonna have a Delaware that families want to come to that they can grow in and I think that that's exactly what we've seen in other states. Um, and so while it would have been great to have had this a long time ago, of course, um, we will be glad to be the past paid family and medical leave because we know that it has um, improved health outcomes and it's something that just will really enhance the quality of life for working families. Liz, can I yeah. have you go back and okay. highlight okay. something? Sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead, Ty. Um, I think that, um, one of the things that I think that might help people who are kind of on the fence, especially small business owners, is if you can highlight, like when we talk about having multiple people, not just having to be the mother or not just having to be the father, but being able to share the responsibilities of the children. I don't think we emphasize that enough. Yeah, I think that's right. And Ty, like Ty, why don't you say it? Because you, you know what you're talking about on this. I mean, Ty's been helping me kind of make the case for this. Well, I just think that it's really important that people understand that people are going to get sick. So you have a sick family member, being able to distribute that between multiple family members actually has less of an impact rather than one person having to say take two weeks off or having to take the child to every appointment because they're the only one who has paid medical leave, which usually falls on people who are state employees and stuff like that. Having people who can distribute it actually can take the burden off. And so I think a lot of times people look at it like, oh my gosh, people are gonna take 12 weeks off. No. See, now that we have more time, multiple people can take a day or two here, a day or two there, you know, and it could be more coordinated and better planned based on even your workforce. You say, hey, this is a bad week for me. 
but I can see if my mom can do it. Now that she also has the option of doing it, then we give us more flexibility and it actually will probably be better in the long term than if just having certain people having it. And, and Ty, I, I, think, I think that point is such a, a significant point um, because we've gone through um, multiple family members uh, you know, were um, not spring chickens anymore and multiple family members have been ill. And it's, it, it's such a good point to talk about spreading it among the family. I think that one of the, um, I was asked about businesses. I, I think part of the sticking point for some is, is, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but this is the way it's always been, right? So um, folks aren't even thinking like, well, we survived. Well, yeah, we, we don't want you to just survive. We want <laughs> you to thrive, right? And so <laughs> I, I think there is a cultural shift that is happening, I, I would guess mm -hmm. that um, our younger population is going to be much more um, on board with this. Like this just makes sense, right? Where folks who are uh, baby boomers like myself, um, we look at it, well, this is just the way it was. Well, that's great, but there are sometimes better ways that will help everyone. Um, so I love that point about spreading out the, the support because honestly, I hadn't thought about that, but there was one situation that had we not all taken a piece, we couldn't have done. Exactly. That's right. And it's like everyone faces these situations. This is not like, oh, we're gonna pass some bill that's gonna affect a small portion of the population. Everyone, everyone deals with this. And, and we are really with this, you know, this is about acknowledging that reality. And especially during the pandemic, everyone has dealt with this. So, yep. um, you know, we never, but we never know when it's going to happen, right? It's, it's like, I don't know when I'm going to get sick and I don't know if I'm gonna happen to be in a job with good benefits at that time. And I don't know, you know, sometimes if when I want to start a family, like having the options to be able to do that is really about making it so to your point, families can thrive here. Right now they're just surviving. We need to make sure they thrive. Yeah. And that's, I think, more than just the health impact of COVID, which was pretty massive. It, COVID also acted to sort of what we would say enhance the contradictions uh, or at least highlight the highlight the hardships you use the word hardships I think that's a good one or we've used the word struggle like yeah everybody struggled and and they, you know if we can alleviate some of that why for why wouldn't we try first of all second of all we see how precarious people's situations are now that we've had to go through this this health emergency altogether and so you know I think that's why it's, it's starting to play itself out. I'll give an example sort of in how it's affected small businesses. And maybe maybe it's, it's, it's a jumping off point to get a little more controversial. Let's see. Um, because there's, there's a phenomenon I've, I've been noticing on the Internet uh, and in the news uh, about um, small businesses, um, restaurants mostly, I think, um, 
that have been posting like, hey, sorry, we're still closed. Nobody wants to come to work anymore because the unemployment's too good. And so and so it's, it's on these people to be like, yeah, I mean, it was better off when we paid them lower wages and ground them into the dirt uh, so you could get your hamburger faster. Um, you know, but I think COVID and the situation has actually exposed that relationship now. And if we can do something to ameliorate sort of the suffering uh, and, and put people in better standing, we don't have to worry about that. So it's, it's an odd, and, I, and, and again, I think, you know, it, it, it's a business argument, but I think it, it kind of goes into sort of the, the paid family leave and, and a lot of things that are trying to be done to give people a little more, you know, to just alleviate some of the, some of the pressure and some of the struggle that's out there. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully we get out of the COVID thing uh, soon we seem to be doing pretty well um, but yeah I mean I, I don't know I, I don't know if that's a, a, a one-to-one analogy but I you know I know that as Judge Kuhn said you know people are just used to like this is what we did like why why do we have to do something different and I think that people's stories especially uh, and and what people are seeing during COVID and all of that should should indicate that you know, we can do more. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be hardship. You know, we can do more, and it helps uh, the, the children of parents. It helps the parents care for their elderly um, relatives, their mom and dad, and everything. And and um, and yeah, I think hopefully this dynamic, while it's um, div divisive in some sense, also helps expose the issue so people can get into it and say, yeah, why is this happening actually? How are people living? You know, I mean, Ty's probably gotten stories from from people she's working with Liz, too. Uh, and, and and they're very poignant and people understand like, yeah, that's not that's not fair. That's not right. And it hurts everybody. So, yeah, that that was the one example that came to mind when I was thinking about how sort of COVID exposed people's sort of precarious economic situations, precarious employment situations that just trickles down into their family and everything else. I think it's really important that we um we don't like speed bump past that. I think people need to understand that if if people are getting paid unemployment business, your business model sucks. Like we have to look at different things. You know, we have to start looking at not exploiting labor in order to get ahead. Because as many people has their things have actually like we have had other things that you know, but labor shouldn't have been the thing that took that took you down. Because there could be things that you could do differently, like to minimize things or change things a different kind of way, or you guys could work together. Like we need to start looking at, okay, this is our first pandemic. Hopefully we don't have another one for a century. So, you know, but what if we do? What if we have some other kind of disaster? What do we do as small businesses? As what do we do as a, you know, collective society to make sure that people can still just survive without paying people pennies. That's my issue. Like that should not be our solution is to exploit people's labor. You know, I'm on, you know, you know I got solidarity with you on that. No, no question. And, and yeah, I, I hope that I, as I said, I, I hope that the situation and some of the stories that you've been able to, to, to bring out kind of uh, paint that picture for people because I forget which, maybe it was Liz that said it. Or, uh, this is a very low cost, high benefit solution. So it's more like it's more getting into people's heads than like than anything and sort of breaking the spell of like, well, 
the struggle is the struggle's good. You're supposed to grind, and you're supposed to. You don't. You don't have to do that. <laughs> you actually don't need to do that. Um, so, and, and oh, I please go. Yeah, I think we've talked about you know a good bit about you know childcare and and um, having children, but the reality is that Delaware is an aging demographic, and we have an older uh, population than we've ever had before. And um, caring for parents is, so when one has a child, um, there's, there's this little cute baby bundle of joy or what, you know, you bring a child into, you know, um, from foster care. Um, they're, they're adorable. Children are, are great. Caring for our elderly family members or sick family members is a very invisible task. And honestly, a very draining task because oftentimes it's, it's either a, a very serious illness as we saw with a, a lot of people getting COVID or it's an end of life. And the impact on um, the, the economics and the psyche of our workforce, I mean, that's something that um, this, is, this really spans the spectrum and I did a, a fair amount of work with family medical leave before, and it is really a very different animal. And I know Liz highlighted it, but I wanna highlight the Family Medical Leave Act again, is that it, for those who are protected under the Family Medical Leave Act, which is folks that have been full-time employees for over a year, and Liz, correct me if I get any of my facts wrong, but full-time employees for over a year, um, it doesn't it, it doesn't guarantee pay. It guarantees that you can come back to a position um, that is equal to the position that you are in, not necessarily even the same position. Um, and it can be taken in increments, but but it is still very difficult. And um, luckily for most of my career is the later part of my career has been as a state employee and we were more protected than others. Um, and that's why many people have chosen state employment is, you know, folks look at benefits and that's the other small business piece is um, sometimes benefits are more important than pay. Oftentimes they are, especially for uh, single parent homes. Um, and, uh, like homes where an individual is taking care of an elderly a family member. So um, I, I think the benefits, and I, I also think that there's benefit to large corporations too. Um, you know, I was talking to somebody at one of our larger corporations just today, and they're trying to hire 80 people right now. And uh, they needed to hire 80 and they only had 30 applications. We've got some, these are real, real issues that are going to continue to impact us. And I think, I think that's a great, you think you made several great points. Going backwards to, to the family caregiving aspect, um, Judge Kuhn, uh, that is exactly right. And one of the uh, data pieces that I thought was really interesting that I didn't highlight earlier, but California, which was actually the first state to pass paid family medical leave, they found that 
nursing home um, placement reduced 10% after this past. And to me, that, that reads, people are able to age in place because family members are able to take care of those kind of situations and offer that kind of flexibility, which I know a lot of families would love um, and is very important. Um, and then in terms of you know larger companies, this is probably the thing that they say over and over again in all the states that have passed these kind of laws is this is the most affordable way to offer this benefit, period. It really doesn't matter what size business you are, but it's the it's the fact that it's such a large insurance pool because you know there are some some large companies will offer supplemental uh, disability insurance. A lot of people are like, oh yeah, that's the disability insurance that kicks in, but that costs money. And this is this is actually a cheaper option than that because of the um, you know because it's a large insurance pool. So that's one of the really cool benefits and. And, you know, again, to the point you were making about not having enough workers, I mean, when we have so many women leaving the workforce, we don't have everyone at the table. We don't have anyone, everyone participating. And so whoever, you know, that's not for everyone, but for people who want to work and want to participate in that way, um, the system is set up to make it really hard for them. And we, we should be making it a lot easier. So. Um, that's something that, you know, one of the reasons why I think this is a bill that will attract families to Delaware and help, um, help our economy get stronger. Yep. So this week, and we'll talk about, uh, sort of the path of this. So everybody knows when to call, who to call this will, this bill will be introduced this week. So by the time people hear this on Friday, Saturday, at the end of this week, the bill will be a real thing. It'll be filed. Uh, it, it will go, uh, I guess into a committee, uh, It'll be assigned a, a, a committee at that time. So we, we don't do. Do we actually know what what group of legislators is going to look at it first? We don't know the exact timing right now, but we are our understanding is that it's going to start in the Senate. But given that it's we're a little unsure of the date and we'll let you know as soon as we do know um, what we are asking everyone to do is contact your senators and your legislature legislators. Tell them that this is something that you want to see, to see happen. And frankly, if you are out there listening and you have a story about why this impacted your life, whether you had paid family and medical leave and it was a great thing for you or whether you didn't and that this bill would really make a difference in your life, it's important for legislators to hear that. Um, and if you're a small business owner that wants to get involved, if you're listening, I've talked to several that are saying, this is actually a great deal for my business and I want to make sure it passes. If you're out there, also contact your legislator. Um, you can also go on our website, decares. Don't make me a liar. How I'm just yes, decares.org. I feel like I've said the website so many times I forget. <laughs> Carl, I Carl, Carl will link looking. it. Carl will link it. <laughs> I was like, it sounds like that's the website, but let me just check. Um, huh. But they can, you can go on our website and sign up as a business supporter as well, or as an individual supporter. There's lots of ways to get involved. Yeah, did I mean, the toolkit on there? I'm so sorry about it. Oh, please, Ty, go. But did you put the social media toolkit and stuff like that? Is that on there on the website? That's not yes. On there, but but they can right. see it by following us on Facebook at Delaware Cares. And I believe our Twitter handle is Delaware Cares as well, at Delaware Cares. I always yes. have to check if it's DE Cares. Yes, correct. So our website is decares.org, and our Facebook and Twitter and Twitter handles are Delaware Cares. Yeah, I really hope people sort of. 
think about this in the context that we're talking about it, because frankly, everybody has a story like this in, in some fashion. Um, I think people, you know, like me were very uh, fortunate and privileged to, you know, I had a, I had a, a surgery I had to be out for several years ago, but I, I worked a corporate job, so I had the short term disability. But again, it was expensive. Right. I, my, my mother um, took care of her elderly mom who was uh, infirmed for five years before she died. She was at, uh, there almost every day. Now, they were retired and they were affluent and they had the means to spend that time. And it meant a lot to my mom to be able to do it. But but everybody should have that opportunity to do it. Like, it, you know, you shouldn't have to be, uh, you know, a, a, a privileged elite or, or have, you know, the means in some fashion, um, you know, to take care of your family or take care of yourself. And I think I, I, I would I think everybody when they examine their life will find not only just one story like this, but many family members, yourself um, trying to help, you know, trying to help a newborn or a new child that's been introduced to the family. I mean, everybody's had these. And so if you, as you said, Liz, if, if, if you benefited from some type of benefit, then you know that that should, everybody should get that. Um, and if you haven't, then you really know because you've, you've been, you know, you've been in the struggle, you've had the hardships. Um, and, and, and so you, you know, um, you know what it means to you. So. Absolutely. That is exactly right. Well, thank you, everyone, uh, for joining. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, we are also going to be putting this on the Delaware call uh, where uh, Judge Kuhn will have uh, an op-ed uh, this weekend that will go over some of the stories that we've told. We'll go over some of the statistics so you can refresh your, your memory about why, say, FMLA is not uh, good enough. Um, and uh, you can also read other great stories on Delaware's premier online progressive magazine, The Delaware Call. DelawareCall.com. There you go. Um, and once again, these issues are important. Go to these websites, click on there, sign up to, to, to do phone banking, or, or sign up to tell your story that somebody can go tell to a legislator, or call your legislator, tell them your story. You know, it, you, can, you can get involved with this stuff, and, and you can really, really make a difference. So I hope everybody considers doing that. Um, Liz, uh, Judge Kuhn, Ty, Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Well, Rob, thank you, because what you, Ty, and Liz have done is given voice to those who haven't had voice. So here's to Delawareans thriving. Woohoo! Thank you so much, everybody. And remember, left is best. Yeah.